This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So I am going to continue and hopefully conclude uh, my portion uh, to the Beatitudes that we started off with on the Sermon of the Mount. Um, and again, my, my title of, of my portion is Jesus, the Key to Satisfaction. And again, you know, I'm not going to rush things tonight. I am going to do a little bit of review. I'm going to get to where I want to get to. Um, and if we don't have time to finish up, it's okay, because you cannot exhaust the Word of God. There will always be time to come back through it. And, and I'm going to tell you, God has given you enough right now for you to go home and meditate on it and, and soak it in and get it down in your heart. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you know, we've been focusing on, on my portion these past few weeks, but we started long before this. And, and, it's, and God is just so good to me, because even in my study time, he takes me back to where we started. He brings it all in. He connects everything together. And I'm just, it's amazing how God continues to touch my heart with the same things. And, they look, and they're brand new to me, because his mercies are new every day. So, we are going to get started. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to do a quick re- review today because I need to get to a certain place. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to start at verse 1. And it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he, the king, the king of peace, the king of glory, the one who's died on the cross for our sins, the one who sacrificed, the, the only sacrifice that God would, would accept, he opened his mouth and began to speak. See, those are things, I, I can't just move past those things. You know, I wanted to make it short and simple and sweet, but these are the things that you have to remember. You have to remember before this started, you know, he was, he was showing the miracles again. You know, he was, he was, people had heard about Jesus Christ. They had, there was a prophecy about a coming king. You know, he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There was a prophecy, and all of a sudden this man came, and he was showing signs and miracles, and he was saying, Repent, offering the kingdom of God. Saying, Repent, there is peace for you. And then he was doing these miracles, and then he opened up his mouth, and they said, But wait a minute, is, is this the one, is this the Messiah? And, and let me tell you something. It was the Messiah. And he was offering them the kingdom of heaven. So when he opened his mouth, everybody got silent and began to listen. Because let me tell you, when, when the king of peace is offering you peace, when he's offering you the kingdom of heaven, you need to be all ears. And it's amazing. You know, he was offering the Pharisees in this passage. Everybody there that was hearing, he was offering it to everybody. It wasn't nobody. It wasn't a specific group. He was offering it to everybody. But if you continue reading and you go through the whole Bible, you see everybody didn't respond the same way. See, it goes back to that song we're singing. You have, you have to give the Lord your heart. You can't do it for anybody else. You can't. Uh, nobody can punch the ticket for you. You're not going to be able to say when you get to heaven, yeah, you know, I was a good person and, and I knew this person too who was, a, who was a believer and I listened to some of the things. Nobody can punch the ticket for you. So let me tell you who's opening up his mouth and saying right here for all you listening, this is Jesus speaking, the King of Peace. He opened up his mouth saying, blessed 
And again, I have to stop right there because I'm going to go over again. What is blessed? We've heard it. We've heard it from different uh, different teachings. It's to be well off on the highest level. It's peace with God, and it's to be satisfied. It's to be complete in Him. It's to be indwelt by the very Spirit of God. It's to to have a share of His goodness, having all the parts we need to be made whole, satisfied. That's what it means to be blessed. That's what makes us satisfied, to be indwelt by His Spirit. Walking in the Spirit of life, that's blessed. That's being satisfied. But again, like I said over the past few weeks, unless you're convinced, you're not going to put off the old way. You're not going to... You're not going to accept that there's a new way of doing things. So you can't put on the new man until you're convinced, until you're done with the old way of of doing things. Remember, he's offering the kingdom of heaven by peace. And what is that? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What he's saying is, there's mercy available for you. You have to respond. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And again, I just want to repeat the importance and objective of this of this teaching is to show it's simple to show the believer who they are and how to progress in Christ. It's real simple to show to show the believer who they are and how to progress in Christ. So again, I'm going to start now from Matthew chapter five, verse seven, and I'm going to go through my portion here and get to where we need to be. So verse seven, Jesus opened his mouth and said, "Blessed, satisfied, complete." Well off on the highest level are those that are merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, I do want to go over a few things again about mercy again. I want to reiterate what mercy is, and it's unmerited compassion and devotion that responds to and meets one's needs, even though they have a right to punish them, and it's within their power. Uh, You know, God responding to and meeting the needs of his people, even though he had... listen. From the foundation of, we, we were born into sin. We had wrath for us. But from the foundation of this world, our merciful God, our loving God, our forgiving God, He made way for our shortcomings. He sent mercy. He sent hope from the very beginning. How magnificent a God do you have to be knowing that we would choose otherwise? And He said, I'm still going to send it. That's the merciful God that we serve. And he said, listen, if God is our Father, we have to be like our Father. We have to be merciful. We, we have to remember those things. Listen, I, I was a sinner too. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Listen, God has given me his mercy and I need his mercies yet to come. And that's why I must be merciful. Because it says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. That, that, that word obtain, I, I love it so much because, and, and, I, and that, that word shall, I love it so much because it's in all these scriptures and it, it speaks to a race that you have to run. It's not something you can do one time. Oh, I was merciful to this person. God, do you see me? I'm getting, no, this is something you gotta continue in. You have to obtain it. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Which means I have to to keep a pure heart. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Which means I have to continue to make peace. So the merciful, listen, you don't just be merciful one time and say, I'm gonna, I've obtained it. No. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful, for they strive. They persevere until the end. And that can be said about all these Beatitudes. And we have to remember, so again, we have to remember that, you know, being merciful, we have to put off the old way of life. We looked at it in Ephesians, we had to put away bitterness. We've got to put away wrath, malice, clamor, evil speaking. All, all of those things, we have to put them away. Because again, we've been indwelt by the very Spirit of God. We're blessed. We're satisfied. We have everything we need. So we have to always be willing, like God is for you, we have to always be willing to forgive. Because we have to remember, I'm forgiven. You can't hold things against your brother. Why you think that's a, you know, it's affecting them because I'm holding something. It's affecting you. That's why God deals, he deals with you when he's talking about forgiveness. You're busy thinking, I'm going to hold this against them. They've done something against me. And they're going on with their walk with God and you stuck in unforgiveness. Uh, but blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You ready to quit the race? Ready to give in? We have to remember, God's not willing that anyone should perish and neither should you be. We have to operate out of his mercy. We have to operate out of Jesus, who is his mercy, his word. Because this reflects his very heart. Uh, forgiveness and mercy, those are the characteristics of God. This reflects who your father is. And then we went on to Matthew chapter 4, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And again, I have to reiterate this. The pure in heart, it's, that saying in and of itself is telling you it's talking about your inner man. It's not talking about the outward appearance. It's not talking about blessed are those that can look like they're doing pure things or holy things because they can go through the motions. You know, they can, they can act like they're godly but really deny the power of the love. That's not what it's talking about. The inner man. That's why God starts with the heart. Because he knows if your inner man's not changed, everything, all the actions that, come, that follow, they're, they're fake. They're dead works. You're doing those unto yourself. Remember, who and what we are believers comes before what we do. It's the heart change. So before we get to that place of do what we do, our hearts have to be brought to a place. And again, that place is repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance. That's how a merciful God can make you holy. When you Listen, his forgiveness and mercy is ready. That's why he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Realize your ways. This is how I can show you the ways of, of, of who I am. This is why all of, our, all of our experiences, like I've been saying, with God, it starts right there at repentance. Right there. You can't get, listen, you can't make any movements. You can't get anywhere with God until you go right there to repentance. You have to recognize that I'm a wretch undone. There's nothing that I could do. There's no works that I could do. There's no actions I can do. There's not anything that I can do that can make me pure and holy in the eyes of God. But thank you for his grace. He he sent the one to make you pure and holy. Thank God for his grace. And And that's the attitude. When you get to that point, that's the attitude that you should keep for a lifetime. That should follow you wherever you go. That's what you need to keep bringing up in your remembrance. And just for my purposes tonight, repent means I desire clean hands and a pure heart. I I, I long for clean hands and a pure heart. I mourn for a clean hands and a pure heart. Because with a pure heart, I will, I will see God. Not a mixed heart, not a contaminated heart, not a divided heart, a pure heart. And what did we say the pure in heart was? We said, those who are inwardly clean from sin through faith in Jesus. One that has a continual acknowledging of their past sinful condition, which causes a continual appetite of righteousness. See, see I, I know what I used to be. And I know, I know what he has for me. And this is what I want more of. Give me more, more of who you are. More of your glory. I, after all, I am blessed and dwelt by the Spirit. And so we said a pure heart means my heart is undivided and my heart is cleansed or purged. And we went to 1 Kings and we gave you the example of Elijah at Mount, Mount Carmel. Uh, and I, I gave you a little background, you know, and the, the whole characters in this story, you know, the people of Israel, King Ahab, uh, Jezebel, all these characters in these stories. And Jezebel who worshipped these foreign idols and, and brought them to the children of Israel, brought iniquity to them, who, to their king who was already evil and had a divided heart. But here's the interesting thing about it, right? When she brought them to the, brought these things to them, they were enticed. Let me help you, right? They were drawn away with their own lust. It wasn't like she brought them and was like, I'm going to have to trick them into doing it. No, 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 no. This is something that enticed them. They were drawn away with their own lust. See, that's, that's what I want you to understand. It's, it's all about your heart issue. It's, it's, don't try to blame I brought up Jezebel for a reason, yeah, but don't try to blame her. Because, listen... He was the God is the God of these people long before Jezebel came up. So there's going to always be an excuse. But what about your heart? That's why Elijah asked him, "How long are you going to be limping between these two opinions?" This is this has been happening all through. That's why Joshua told him, "As for me and my house, look, y'all can do what y'all going to do. But as for me and my house." We're going to serve the Lord. 
How long are you going to try to embrace Christ and the world at the same time? How long are you going to try to continue toying with the same sins? Never progressing, you know, the point of this teaching, progressing in Christ. Divided heart. A divided heart is so easily distracted because your heart's divided. You're undecided. Your mind's not made up. That's why the people of Israel were so so back and forth, so up and down, they were undecided. Let me help you, some of you here. That's why some of you are so back and forth. Listen, that's why a lot of young people are so back and forth, living between two opinions. They get caught up and and messed up in life early because they hadn't made up their mind. So many things that could be avoided because they haven't made up. They're still limping. You know, they leave their parents' house and still undecided about, look, is sex outside of marriage okay? Still undecided. When I'm 21 and drinking alcohol, is that okay? Drinking alcohol? Still undecided. Undecided about who and what they want to be in life. And then that's when the enemy shows up. And that's when he shows them who they who they can be in this earth. He shows them who they who they might be able to be in this earth. Not to God, not the blessed in this earth. He shows up and offers them the world. Yeah, he tried to do that to Jesus too. But that's what the enemy does. He sh- he'll show up. You're undecided? I'm going to show up and offer you the world. Just like Jezebel when she came. That was the enemy. You're undecided. And I know exactly what you want because the enemy knows your lust. He knows your flesh. He plays that game well. And if you have a divided heart, that's when you begin to make excuses. Begin to reason your way into making whatever you perceive to be right acceptable. Because men accept it. Because it may seem morally okay. You know, that legalism thing. Do yourself a favor. And I heard this from Deacon Holland, and he said he heard it from Pastor Hill. And it's just so true. Ask the Holy Spirit about it first. Ask Christ about it. And listen, don't rush your response just because the opportunity presents itself or it may say, listen, ask Christ about it. You see, asking Christ about it means I have to, listen, I have to, I have to stop being a, of a divided heart. That'll save you from pissing yourself through with many sorrows. Ask Christ about it. Even those subtle things where it seems like it's meant for you, ask Christ about it. If you can't do that, you have a divided heart. You're not running everything through His Word. You know, the cleansing process. 
cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That, that, that means, whatever you have your heart turned to, clean your hands of it. Wash your hands of it. Be done with it. And turn away from it. Turn your heart and set it towards God. And that's the purge. We saw in, in, in 1 Kings how, how Elijah told him, kill them. Kill those prophets of Baal. Get rid of them. Purify your heart, you double-minded. If, if any little bit of that is left, you can, you can be drawn away with your lust again. Kill it. Mortify it. But that takes faith in Christ. That's what pure heart is. And that's to be pure in heart, it takes faith in Christ. You have to wash your mind and your very soul with this word daily. Because it's the word of God that's, that can discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. But how are you gonna how is it gonna discern it if you're not washing yourself with it? You don't even know. And if you're washing yourself with the things of this world, then that's when it starts to seem okay. That's when it starts to seem like, oh, I can do this and it's all right. That's when you come back. Un- that's, that's a divided heart. I, listen, I don't have to. When it comes to my Lord, I don't consider any ways of the world. There's no question. What he has for me is the best. I don't need nothing else. That's why you renew your mind with his word daily. So that you don't wander from his commandments. It's so easy. You think wonder, you think of the word wonder, it, it can be subtle. You'll say, oh, I just wandered over here and didn't even realize it. Yeah, that's what happens. When you have a divided heart, when you're not washing your mind with his word, next thing you know, you have wandered into sin and you need deep in it. That type of heart, though, the pure in heart, it takes work. It takes cleansing. It takes sanctification. And again, in Christ, God, God washes your heart every day. Just like the example I gave last week. I began to think, you know, right after you get a, I, I talked about the, you, you know, a car. You can look at my car again. It is filthy. I did get it. It is filthy. Covered from, but let me tell you, you can go get it washed, and immediately after you come out that washer, if a, a speck could hit it, guess what? The dirty process has begun, has begun again. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you to think, as soon as you come out, oh, I'm good for now, for a while. I don't need, you know, this will hold me. And he, all of a sudden, you start packing things on, packing things on, and you end up filthy. Because you haven't handled what you need. Listen, don't take the, the car wash example once a week. Take the body, like I said, wash yourself every day. In his word, multiple times a day. Because I'm going to tell you, the enemy's going to try you multiple times a day. I promise you that. He's trying to get you off God's purpose. Whatever way possible. 
Now, however minuscule you think it is, because it's the small foxes that spoil the vine anyway, whatever way possible, he's trying to get you off the purpose. He's trying to get your mind off of, off of Christ. He's trying to make sure you don't see God. You keep your divided heart. So you have to remember, however much you grow in in this walk with Christ, you've never arrived. You have to always have room for growth. You can't think, I can't grow anymore. Because that's a divided heart. Your growth is in the cleansing. Your growth is in the sanctification. I hope you understand that. It's in the washing of the word. There's no other way that your, that your soul can be saved to the uttermost. This is his plan. Let's turn over to Hebrews again real quick. We're making great time right now. God is good. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Ooh, it's time for a new Bible. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to start at verse 22 again. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart, or a pure heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Or, like I said last time, having your heart sprinkled from darkness, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And, 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 and now that your heart has been sprinkled, has been purged from the darkness, you know how you know have the ability to see God. You have the, the light to see God. Because the darkness has been purged. Turn, over, turn back one page to Hebrews chapter 9. I want to read that again as well. Verse 13 through 14. It says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh... How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Your, your conscience, your, your mind, your soul, he's going to purge it from dead works. But we have to walk in that light. Once he purges the darkness with the light, we have to Walk in that light. We have to be the light. We have to follow holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We have to deny self, pick up our cross and follow Him. Second Corinthians says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from filthiness of the flesh and spirit, Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Uh, listen, perfecting holiness means you have to have a pure heart. You have to be cleansed. You have to be sanctified to perfect your holiness. Uh, uh, and the greater the purity, the more durable you are. Uh, let me see if I can make this make sense to you, right? When I say the more durable, the more you're able to stand, the more able to persevere, the more, the more you're able to run that race, 
let me give you an example. So my brother, he, he's been collecting swords since we were in high school. And he went through a phase, he doesn't do it now, but he went through a phase where he would clean them. And he started looking up how they make them, how they forge them, all those things. All different types of swords. And I remember one thing he told me about swords is, you know, they do a lot of hammering. They put a lot of heat to it. And hammering and heat over and over. And I said, well, why do they do that? And he said, it's because they have to bring out all the impurities. All the impurities have to come out. And once they do that, the sword is the most durable it can ever be. See, when that's, that's what I'm saying we have to do. We have to let the fire of God come and show and stand in faith. And it shows us how durable we are. We have to, listen, we have to let the, we have to let the, 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 the fire come and hammer out and, and the heat come and hammer out all the impurities and let the pure remain. Because when it remains, we're able to stand. We're the most durable. And we have to remember that holiness comes from God. He alone is righteous. So the pure in heart are looking for ways to make their sin look righteous. But they keep their faith in Christ alone. I said it last. Your faith in Christ, again, is, is not wishful thinking. It's active cleansing. Active cleansing. That means day to day. You can't just say, I'm saved and that's it. It's active cleansing. This is a walk. That's why you have to walk in the light as he is in the light. You can't stop. You can't quit. You can't give up. And then I'm going to go ahead and move on to verse 9, Matthew chapter 5. Let's go ahead and turn back there. Matthew chapter 5. Because we can go on the pure in heart all night. But we don't have all night. So let's go Matthew 5. And I'm going to start at verse 9 here. It says, blessed or satisfied or all, well off on the highest level are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. Now I love this beatitude. I love how it follows the pure in heart. Because you have no power to make peace with an impure or undivided heart. And again, why are the peacemakers blessed? Well, let me tell you again. We said it from the jump. Being, being blessed has been indwelt by the Spirit. And peace is a gift of the Spirit. It's a fruit directly from Him. From the Spirit. Yet another thing we couldn't have or do on our own. So who or what are peacemakers? And don't worry, we're going to get to they shall be called children of God. But I want to deal with these peacemakers here first. Who or what are peacemakers? Now the peacemakers, they show others how to have inward peace with God and how to be instruments of peace in this world. They are ministers of God's good pleasure. Not just making peace, but working peace. Don't worry, I'm going to repeat it again. Those who look for what glorifies God as the resolution rather than what satisfies their flesh or desires. 
Again, the peacemakers. They show others how to have inward peace with God and how to be instruments of peace in this world. They are ministers of God's good pleasure. Not just making peace, but working peace. They're those who look for what glorifies God as the resolution rather than what satisfies their flesh or desires. One more time for the slow riders. The peacemakers show others how to have inward peace with God and how to be instruments of peace in the world. They are ministers of his good pleasure. Not just making peace, but working peace. They are those who look for what glorifies God as the resolution rather than what satisfies their flesh or desires. You know, those who, who strive to prevent contention or strife or envyings and wars. Those who work to prevent clamor and hostile feuds, you know, all that stuff that we, we need to put away with. Hostile feuds in, in families, in neighborhoods, and at your workplace. Those are the ones. Those are the peacemakers. It's those who use their influence to reconcile themselves with others and reconcile opposing parties. Now, what influence am I talking about? The influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. The influence of truth. See, we have to remember that the blessed have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Through the truth, by His Spirit. And those with this influence, they must do what they can, when they can, and how they can to promote the peace of God. To work the peace of God. And remember, the influence of the Spirit comes from what's right. The righteousness of Christ. That's what the influence of the Spirit is going to bring you. It's going to bring you the righteousness of Christ. And what is the work of righteousness? I have to go back here. Let's, let's go to Isaiah chapter 32. It's just a real quick scripture I have to read. Isaiah 32, verse 16 through 18. And I've read it before. It says, Then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and, rem- and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. And the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever so the work of righteousness is peace and those that are blessed with the spirit of God we use our our, our influence to not be only to make peace but to work it when I say work it that means we're to cultivate peace When you think of that word cultivate, I want you to think of it as in, like a farmer's term. When I say cultivate peace, you have to prepare a land or crop for a harvest. Or in other words, you have to sow something. Hallelujah. So when I say cultivate peace, that means you have to sow righteousness. Because the work of righteousness is peace. I want y'all to get this. I'm not trying to play any word games with you. It's plain and simple in the scriptures. You have to sow righteousness. Because the work of righteousness is peace. So yes, you ought to strive to live, strive to live peaceably with others in the sense of letting them live their lives. However, 
the peacemaker, their chief concern is to sow righteousness and peace into our lives. You know what that means? That means not lying or sugarcoating the truth, not playing legal games with man's sins, but reproving and convicting yourselves and men with peaceable limiters, peaceable moderation. What do you mean when you say peaceable, peaceable moderation? Well, for one, you, like I said earlier, you have to get rid of contention and strife when you're talking to people. Put the attention on the gospel of truth. You have to remember that the blessed or the satisfied, we have different goals than, than just those that aren't blessed. We have different standards for those who don't believe. So as peacemakers, you're not trying to lord over anybody. Uh, you don't have to protest their way of life. You have to persuade them by truth. And we do this with peaceable moderation. In the spirit of meekness. Does that help you? Uh, kind of like a physician. You know, the great physician. The one who sits with sinners. But you can think of, think of it as just a regular physician. Think of your doctor who deals with you with peaceable moderation. I, I remember when I, was, uh, when I was first diagnosed, I have no problem sharing this with you guys. A few years ago when I was really overweight, I was diagnosed with uh, congestive heart failure. And I'm going to tell you, my doctor, they could have said all types of things. And I'd heard other people too. You're out of control, this or that. But the doctor, they told me the straight up truth. But they were peaceable about it. They weren't sitting there telling me about you. You just need to put the fork down. You need to do this. No. That's not how he came at me. But he did give me the facts. He did tell me the truth. This is where you're headed. This is where your life is going to head if you don't stop this and you don't do this. Now, this right here, this is helping you. You can do this. You can keep this. This you need to get rid of. This you need to move on out the way. Truth. And, and, and guess what? <laughs> When you're faced with truth, you just have to look in the mirror. I don't have to see anybody else at that point. See, that's the peacemaker. I'm not, I'm not trying to come at you. I'm faced with myself. That, you know, the truth of the word is, is the mirror. So we have to sow these things in peaceable moderation. We can't be, listen, remember, it's not self-righteousness. Yeah. Listen, we sow righteousness, but remember the righteousness that you have is not your own. This is the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we can't be all self-righteous and high and mighty. We need to sow this righteousness in peace. Turn to James chapter 3. Because with James here, we're going to take this full circle. James chapter 3. God is so good. James chapter 3, and I'm going to start <clears throat> at verse 13. And it says, Who is a wise man, and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. With meekness of wisdom. Now, I, one thing before I keep moving on, because I have to stop here on this verse. One thing that I pulled away from this, and God said, make sure you get this, but a peacemaker... Is humble because of wisdom. Not puffed up. Not prideful. 
humbled. Like I was talking about that self-righteous, you know, you've learned a few things being in your relationship. You can't be prideful and, and pu- listen, you're humble because of this wisdom. Remember, this righteousness is from the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And I have to say this, because God is not a God of confusion. He's the author of peace. That's who he is. Verse 17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. See, that the wisdom, the righteousness that God has given you from above is first peaceable, then gentle, and easy to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And I love this verse 18. Wrap a nice little bow on it. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. See, this is how you know if you're a peacemaker. Do you sow righteousness and peace into the lives of people in your families, your neighbors at work? Do you without hypocrisy or, or partiality, full, full of mercy, minister this gospel? Minister what's right in God's eyes, but as a physician. You know, with peaceable moderation. Or do you use this truth as an occasion to the flesh? Again, like I said, acting like you're so far above sin, so far gone that you don't know what sin it is. Sin is. Like your poop don't stink. Do you get down and dirty with the ones you say you're trying to help and then roll around in the sin with them? See, this, this goes back to why your heart has to be pure first. A divided heart can't work his peace. A, a divided heart leads to sin. And we know the effects of sin. It's not peace. In fact, oh what, oh, what peace you forfeit. Remember, peacemakers shall be called the children of God. So if you're not a peacemaker, whose child are you then? If you're not a peacemaker, well, the opposite of a peacemaker is a war maker, right? Turn to John chapter 8. Keep your, keep your ribbon in, in James. Go over to John chapter 8. Because I'm going to answer that question. John chapter 8, verse 42. You know that question, whose father, whose father is your father then? If you know, we're going to answer that question. Verse 42, Jesus said unto him, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you, can't hear, you cannot hear my word? You are of your father the devil, 
and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So a war maker is one that doesn't hear God's words. Let me help you with what kind of children these are. The children of disobedience. Well, you don't hear God's words. Like, minister, like the minister said this, this past family life, well, you don't hear what God is saying right now to you. You're children of disobedience. Making wars. Go back to James chapter 3. And we're going to go right into chapter 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, ye have, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Obey. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Here we, and this, this is going to be the boat that ties it all together. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Why? Because I need you to make peace. Like I said, you cannot be a peacemaker without being pure in heart. If you don't cleanse your hands and purify your heart, guess what you're doing? You're going to make war. You're not making peace. And I'm so... I love how that, that came back in from pure in heart. Because we have to remember we have to remember God's instructions to us. That's what peace is. Peace is remembering God's instructions. Obeying God's instructions. Because his instructions is going to lead you into righteousness. And the work of righteousness is peace. Have to remember the original instructions. Or you're going to run into wars. You have, listen, you'll run into war, personal wars. you have wars with other people. Not making peace. Not making peace with, your, not with yourself or with, or with others. That's why you have to get rid of the divided heart. Let, let me tell you what I mean when I say... You know, original instructions. That's how you get peace. Go back to the instructions of God. Stay with there. 
So I told y'all some, uh, a couple weeks ago about my computer that had, had went out. And I didn't tell y'all this, and some people know about this, but I haven't told everybody as a whole, but my phone is having issues too. Now, I can go out and I can get me a brand new computer. I can spend my money on a new phone. I can get a new phone. I can do the. I can pay the uh, uh, deductible and go get the insurance on the phone. I can do all that. And then God. And these are questions that came up in my mind, like, well, well, let's go do that. And then all of a sudden, God said, "But don't you remember my instructions?" Church of Living Water. I'm talking to you now. Get out of debt and save. Now. <laughs> The way I'm a tie, the way that this tied in with this word when God was, because He just brought this to my remembrance, because I haven't spent no money on those things, because I remembered those instructions. But those instructions are designed to keep peace in my life. Now let's say I went out and got that computer, and computers are not cheap. Not the kind that I need. It's not cheap. Then on top of that, replacing the phone. And let's just say, I don't know what can come up, because uh, remember, the other, remember the other instructions, something's coming, and I'm not prepared, because I need a computer right now. See, these are the personal wars that come from where? Your lust, your desires. This is peace. I'm talking about personal war, because we're going to get with others and making peace with others, but I'm talking about making peace you, yourself. Pulling yourself out of peace because you can't follow instructions. You don't want to obey. You have things that you want. And oh, it seems, oh, you need a computer. Go get your computer right now. You need this. Go get that right now. Go spend that money right now. Go spend a few thousand dollars right now. It's okay. But what was God's instruction? See how subtle that is? It's okay to go get a computer. It's okay to do all those things, but are you... Did you ask Christ about it first? Remember, we've been placed. So this is a word from God that we're receiving. We've been talking about substance abuse a lot. Talking about wars with yourself. Substance abuse in the next gen service. We talked about it uh, at the Men of Integrity this past week, uh, last week. And let me just say this one thing about substance abuse. Hopefully this helps. The use of any substance that alters your sobriety, that's substance abuse. Uh, you didn't say how much. Exactly. There's not a limit. Any substance that alters your sobriety and you use it, it's substance abuse. Even if you take a sip. Even if you take a puff. Uh, marijuana, cigarette, Whatever. Oh, it's I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on people's toes, right? And I can take the cigarette out. And ask Christ about it. Ask Christ about it. But we forget the original instruction. Uh, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. So ne- let, never mind going against God's commandments, but is it acceptable for you to lose money? Because all those things cost money. Uh, is it acceptable to lose health? Because those things cost you your health. 
Is it acceptable to lose sanity? Because those things can cost you your sanity. Let me t- let me just let me let me sum those all up. Those things can cost you your peace. Why you're saying, oh, I just need I just need this little bit just to help me get by, just a little bit for my sanity. You both you mo- might might be most liable just to pop off at any second. Because you have no peace. But but remember, we've been given peace with God forever. I'm not talking about a, a momentary uh, self-gratification that you get from getting your drink or something. Because guess what? You're going back to that. You're spending more money on that while costing more health issues on that. While, listen, while sitting against God on that, let's put that at first. I'm sorry, that's my conviction. You know, people begin to develop their mental state off of these substances. I can't talk until I have this cigarette. Whew. I can't do this. I need, to, uh, I need to sit down and unwind. I'm going to have me a glass of wine just to unwind and for the antioxidants. Well, for one, let me just, you know, because I've heard that before. Antioxidants don't just come in wine. They come in other things, too. I'm just, let me help you out. You can unwind doing other things too, but, you know, it's a personal conviction, right? It's a heart issue, right? From whence come these wars, right? From your lust. Just like the people of Israel, they were drawn away with their own lust and enticed. An unpure heart, unable to work peace. So we have to remember God's instructions for your personal wars. And then you have wars with others. And I have to give a few examples of this, right? Because especially in this past season that just went by, right? The the political season. And I've never seen so many people that make their political stance on God's word. When God isn't, listen, God's not playing politics with any of them. You're not focused on Jesus. You're focused on, on, on the party and what they're doing. And then throwing Jesus in there. Forgetting who you are in Christ. And then, and then you get so into it with these political things. And, and, and you're trying to preach the gospel to this person on this, on this political side. But you're coming from your political point of view. And then you jump right down there and mess with them. It, it turns something else. It turns from preaching the gospel to now you're cussing each other out. You call each other out of names. You're ready to do this. You're ready to do that. Not making peace. From whence come these wars? Your lust and desires. Or let's, let's say this. Holding grudge against people for years. Let, let's, let's do it this way. Let's say you let somebody borrow some money. And they never paid you back. And you go on holding this grudge against them for years. Now they may, listen, they may know that they owe you and let's say they may not. Now you're going to get in a mess with them. And you're going to forfeit your peace and hold on to what you think is right. Now, but they owe me. They, know, they owe me my money. They need to pay me what they owe me or we at odds. 
You know, like the unforgiving servant, remember? That's the opposite of peace. Let, let me just help you out a little bit in that area. Just how about you quit letting people borrow money? How about you afford yourself some peace? Or, but I want to help them. That's me. That's how I make peace. Well, if you're making peace, don't loan it to them. Give it to them. Because if, if you don't quit letting them borrow, you won't be in peace, so you can't make peace. You can't work peace with anybody. So how do I, what must I do when I'm, when I'm trying to avoid these wars with others? What's my response in that situation? Because again, we said you need to follow God's instruction for these personal wars. And you need, to, you need to follow God's instructions for these wars as well. Let's go ahead and turn to Jude. Jude chapter, there's only one chapter in Jude. Jude. And we're going to read verse 22 and 23. This is how you should treat it with others. You know, when I say making peace, verse 22 says, And some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So, what does it mean? And that's what I really, because we know about compassion. But I wanted to get to what does it mean to save with fear? Because we're talking about making peace. We're talking about working peace. We're talking about sowing righteousness in peace. So it says, saves with fear. And I've come to the conclusion that there's two things here. One thing it's trying to tell you is it's easy to get caught up in strife and contention. Especially when you feel that someone's wronged you. So be careful. Save with fear. Unless that sin rubs off on you. And you end up getting down in the mess with them. That's why it says, hating even the garment spotted with the flesh. That means keeping yourself, because listen, they in the fire. Keep your, don't let it rub off on you trying to save them and pull it out the fire. Getting down there in the mess with them. Not making peace. And then to save with fear also means to save with peace and truth. And again, you must sow righteousness. And what I mean when I say that is you must sow mercy. You must have a pure heart. You must have humility. You must be forgiving. You must be meek. You must be blessed and dwelt by the Spirit of God. Nothing else needs to be said. The truth in love. And again, like I said earlier, the reason why the truth will work, instead of you getting down there in the mess with them, because let me tell you, like I was saying about that example with the political party, that those things are your opinions, and it's not the truth. The reason the truth will work in peace is because it's lifting up a mirror. They will not be looking at you at that point. They have to see themselves. That means as a peacemaker, ministering and living the gospel must be uncompromised and undivided. That's a peacemaker. 
ministering the gospel uncompromisingly, without a divided heart. Because let me tell you about a lot of the believers today. The majority of the believers today, truth is missing from their diet. That's why it's going to work. See, coming at them with wars and stuff, that ain't missing from their diet. You getting right in their lane, they're like, well, let's get it on. Let's do it. But truth, that's going to be something totally different. That's what's missing. You know, righteousness, sown in peace, truth, sown in peace, that's what's missing. That, the other reaction, you know, the, from which the wars come, that's, that's prevalent. It's the truth that's missing. So that means, like I said, we have to be uncompromising. We can't sugarcoat the truth. We can't change the gospel of peace because of what people call unpleasant truths because they don't want to hear it. That's not making peace. That's, that's not the gospel of peace. That's your gospel. And sometimes being a peacemaker... And I'm going to have to stop after this, but sometimes being a peacemaker just means not saying nothing at all. You don't have to open your mouth. Sometimes you just not, you got to let them witness the peace of God in your life. A living testimony. They got to witness the peace in you and working through you. That's why you have to work peace in your own life. That's why we dealt with your personal wars first. So that they can see the peace of God working in you. That's going to show them whose child you are. That's how you look like your father. For he is the God of peace. He is the God of love. He's reconciling the world to himself in Christ. He has made us heirs and joint heirs with Christ. If we continue to suffer, we will be glorified with them. But you have to be a peacemaker. They shall be called the children of God. And I am out of time, family. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.